And Reverend Nicely will break for us today the bread of life. Let me share with you from the book of Mark uh, a very, very well-known passage, I think, appropriate for our sharing today. One of the teachers of the law came and heard the debating that was going on between Jesus and, and the authorities of the church of the Jews at that time, and that Jesus had given a good answer, and he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? And Jesus answered, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O America. Hear, Trinity. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, Father, we thank you that you have given this, this book of wisdom after which to pattern our lives. But if we can embrace this major commandment, this first most important commandment, I believe then you will be able to build upon that foundation and to develop us and to create within us that being you would have us be before you. Your servant needs your direction today as never before. Grant me strength and wisdom for your glory in Christ. Amen. Won't you please be seated. letter came in the mail in January the 1st, or about January the 1st, 2001, declaring a most unwelcome and a most unexpected message to Gene and me. It said, congratulations, you are retiring in June. <laughs> what do you mean I'm retiring in June? Of course, what I had not done, I had failed to read the fine print of the United Methodist Discipline. It says that when you reach age 70, uh, it's mandatory retirement. But we understood this as we, well, we didn't understand it, I guess. But we, uh, we accepted this wisdom and uh, we retired. Well, many of you know the narrative that follows the typical retirement, and we followed it. There are certain obligatory, certain mandatory trips that you must make, and so we, we made the trips. There were visits to canyons and visits to mountains. Uh, we had to see historical sites. We had to go observe historical documents. And you have to uh, develop a, a, a number list where you, you know, list all of these things that you put down. How many states have I visited? Well, only 47 of the, of the 50 conti contiguous states. But we're working on the final part of that. You know, this, these kinds of numbers that we have to compile. And uh, while you're doing all of this, however, uh, simultaneously there is, is easing into your spirit, uh, into your very soul, into your psyche, an uneasiness. Now, now what? What's after this? Is there something else that we 
could be doing? Is there something more worthwhile? And a sense of fear began to rise up within my spirit. Was there somewhere a niche? Was there somewhere a spot, a, a slot, a, a, a an opportunity to be able to take the energy and the strength that I, that I had and make it more meaningful, to make it more productive, make it more worthwhile, more beneficial perhaps to other people. And this began just work within my spirit. Well, I'm happy to report the phone rang in our home in June 2003. It was Reverend George Patterson. And of course the rest is history. Well, today... And we're down to the point where there is only one. Today, out of 300 and 650 days, uh, we are here today. And it's quite different than it was when I first received that letter those 13 years ago, 12 years ago. Not, it's not the patent retirement script that, that is now confronting me, but, but rather there are two practical questions, two profound questions that I have begun to wrestle with over the last few weeks. And uh, these were triggered in my spirit by, by George's nine-part series as he challenged us to assess our lives in light of what the Scripture has to say about the productivity of followers and believers of him. Have I been faithful to my God is one of the first questions that was posed before us. And that was sung for us by Sarah last Sunday very beautifully as she sang, Did I live my life for you? And as you listen to George's preface to his messages through the last uh, nine weeks, uh, when it's all been said and done, when the journey on earth has concluded, what will people, what will people remember about us? What will people remember about you? And what will you remember about me? Well, for my own comfort zone, as I, as I ponder any kind of an issue, in particular spiritual issues, I try, I try to find a, a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture in which to wrap this, this consideration uh, that helps to bring to me understanding and, uh, and resolution. And I believe today's scripture text is, in Jesus' own words, gives us final instructions that are necessary for the living of our lives to make them acceptable to him. And then, of course, if it's acceptable to him, then automatically our lives are acceptable to other, other people. If there was no other scripture that you had knowledge of, that if you were confined just to that, those few verses that I read to you, a few minutes ago. This would be sufficient to answer these two questions and to be able to affirm speaking. For a quarter of my life, I dodged, sidestepped, ducked, compromised. Put this question to Jesus. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus... After all, he had written this. After all, he had created it. After all, he had planned it. After all, he was, he was the number one authority on this. Without any hesitation, replied, the most important one is this, to love you, your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. In his first sermon, 
that uh, Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount. It is filled with explanation of the ways in which we, as his believers and followers, are to, are to practice our lives and to follow after him. Uh, he tells us what is necessary to be, to be able to establish our relationship with him. And then having established our relationship with him, then we can obviously uh, meet the prerequisites of establishing our relationship with other people. Uh, some of the things that were mentioned in that sermon were these. Uh, no one can serve two masters. It says we're either going to love the one and hate the other. So we have to decide who is going to be the master of our life. In everything, it says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And isn't that uh, a very familiar passage? Listen to this. Uh, Enter through the narrow gate. A lot of people don't like to hear this, but this is what is required of you and I as believers. Entering through the narrow gate for... Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And finally, by their fruits, they will be known. And so it calls on us in order to be able to enter in this, into this relationship a total and a complete surrender. Nothing less is acceptable. Uh, we can't be a, a part-time Christian. Uh, we cannot be a casual member of, the, of God's church. Uh, we cannot uh, uh, be grafted in. Uh, there are only first-generation believers acceptable to God. If you had been in my office uh, up until a couple of days ago and looked at the wall beside my chair, you would have seen a collage of, of items. There were there were Christmas cards that had pictures of the kids of the church on it. Uh, there were sayings that were important to me, things, quotes that I, I thought were important. There were notes about long-term prayer concerns. There were just stuff that was important. R-M-I-A, make-believer. As uncomfortable as that probably makes you, and it makes me very uncomfortable as I wrestle with it, the question needs to be asked. I hope that you will wrestle with that, please. You would have loved my sister, Marjorie. Marge was beautiful. She was vivacious. She, uh, she was gregarious. But she was a chameleon. Wherever she was, she fitted in perfectly. She just adapted automatically right in that situation, what it would be. Uh, if it was a party time, she was the life of the party. Uh, if we were on Wednesday night at our uh, Bible fellowship, uh, she was right in there leading the singing and, and giving the Lord the praise that he deserved. She could be very sophisticated or she could be very casual. But I never quite knew where, where Marge was. You know, was she a believer or was she a make believer? But of course, the truth showed itself in latter years. In her early 60s, she became ill with, with terminal cancer. And we watched her as she fought for months to live because our mother at that time was aged and was on the verge of death. And she determined that mother would not die until uh, our mother would die before my sister Marge would live. And at that time, there was no question who she was, for she indeed was a believer. And she went into the world of triumph, into the presence of her Lord. 
And so Jesus' response, first response to the scribe was to love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and heart and strength and to love your neighbors, the second part, as yourself. As he continued to answer that question, it was a two-part answer to a two-part question in a sense. And what I would like to say to you is this, that Jesus has forever coupled these two commandments together by saying this. Because what he is saying to you and what he has said to me is you can't love your Lord without loving your neighbor. Your neighbor. You can't love your Lord without loving your neighbor. And you can't love your neighbor without loving your Lord. In fact, he went on to say, and, and Matthew records it, by their fruits you will recognize them. And so the, the authentic test of that commitment, you see, is by the fruit that we yield as we interact and serve one another. How is all of this possible? Again, we have the Apostle Paul answering this for us. For Christ's love compels us. We don't have any choice, you see. We have made that full and complete commitment to Christ. And we have sold out to him. We are compelled to do nothing less than to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we come to that second question as a part of this is how will all of this be remembered? Will I be seen? Will you be seen as one who loved your Lord first, secondly, that you loved your neighbor. In a history book that I was reading recently, I, I ran across something that was uh, a just new information to me. A man by the name of Edward Locard, who was a Frenchman, and he was the father of the field of forensic science. Uh, if you will, he was Francis Sherlock Holmes. But he developed what he called the Locard Exchange Principle. And this theory, in essence, is this. Uh, wherever a human being goes, he or she will leave a mark. Wherever we go, we leave something. If you walk across the room, uh, he said you will pick up a thread, maybe, or, or you will, you will uh, pick up something uh, of some kind, and that you, in turn, will leave something there. A hair, a fingerprint, a footprint a fiber, or a mark on a wall, perhaps. But we exchange something wherever we are, and that's the point I, I want to share with you. In our world, as we pass through it, we are making an exchange, no matter where we are and what we're doing, and in whose, whomever's company we are. What do we want to leave there is what we really need to wrestle with. I know what I wish to leave with you, that Gene and I would give our heart to know that each of you have invited Christ to be the eternal Lord of your life. Would you want to leave anything less than the love of God with those that you encounter? In loving our neighbor, we can only do so by first giving our love to Christ. Then we meet the need of our neighbor. And then in the process of meeting that need of our neighbor, that love then proclaims what it's really all about. And I like what, uh, again, we have uh, Paul saying in this respect, and whatever you do, 
whether in deed or in word, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's always in that name. Well, life is a lot like the weather. It's seasonal. Life is seasonal. It has a way of pushing us into the next season, whether we, whether we like it or not, right? <laughs> uh, and we so often uh, feel uncertain, even fearful of what it may hold for us. But we do know who holds that future, do we not? And Gene and I are entering into a new season. Someone has written, the hardest the two hardest things to say in life are to say hello for the first time and goodbye for the last time. But goodbyes make you think. First of all, they make you realize what you have, uh, what, what you have been experiencing, what you have been enjoying. And so this is really important. It also uh, helps us to understand that, that we should not take anything for granted, but be able to treasure those experiences and those relationships that we have throughout the course of the years. But also it helps us to think about the fact that there's excitement up the road waiting for you as well as there has been in the past. So we needn't be afraid of looking ahead. And yes, this part of our life is is over in a sense but we know that the story the story goes on and I would like just to say to you that our love and caring for you will not end but our role will change our final prayer for you is this that in this season that you may know Christ abundantly I would remind you that we love you and that we, our prayer for you always will be that God will richly bless you. And now I'm going to ask my friend to come and sing a song for you that was written by Steve Green. But as Herb McCowan comes, I want you to listen to these words because this is our final prayer. The final prayer that Gene and I have for each one of you.
Let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone And our children sift through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Come light that leads them to the road we each must find Oh, may Prince that we leave, lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live. Fair.